Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Again, good morning. Good morning, good morning. If you're new here, welcome. We love having you as part of Celebration Church. Can you hear me okay? And uh, whether you're here for one week, whether you're looking for a church home, or whether you're an angel visiting... Welcome. We pray you're blessed today. A huge welcome to our podcast listeners as well. Uh, I get texts all the time about people listening on podcasts and really appreciate that. So we welcome you as well. We pray you're blessed uh, and that God does something powerful in your life, which is great. Um, Every week I try and start with something kind of funny. And so we're going to try again this week if that's okay. So... We'll see how we go. Okay, so here we go. Two guys are walking through a game park, a national park, and they came across a lion that had not eaten for days. The lion starts chasing the two men, and they run as fast as they can, and the one guy starts getting tired and decides to say a prayer. Please turn these these lions into Christians, Lord. He looks to see if the lion is still chasing, and he sees the lion is on its knees. Happy to see this prayer answered, he turns around and heads towards the lion, and as he comes closer to the lion, he hears it saying, a prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the food I'm about to receive. (laughs) Oh, applause. Wow. All right. I've got one more, I've got one more. I mean, I could finish on that, but I should finish on that, but we'll, give, we'll try one more, we'll try one more. A Sunday school teacher, Sunday school teacher, a lovely Sunday school teacher is, director's just down here. A Sunday school teacher <laughs> asked her children on the way to service, Why is it necessary to be quiet in church? One little girl replied, because people are sleeping. (laughs) I should have finished with the other one. Um, One thing in church as well that we love to share is testimony. Um, I get really bored in church. If God isn't here, I just think I'd rather be at the beach. So I just love seeing the reality of God come and touch people's hearts and lives and um, all that type of thing. And if heaven isn't touching earth here, then what's the point, really? So we just want to bring heaven to earth and in that lift up the name of Jesus uh, because worship is the sound of heaven. And a few weeks ago, we launched the roar of revival and, and we talked about how it says that heaven had a sound in Revelation. It was a mighty roar. It was a roar of a loud waterfall. Uh, and a thunderclap, and then it goes on to talk about worship. And I think part of creating um, a heaven atmosphere culture is to share testimony. So I'm going to share a quick testimony um, from me about me. So two weeks ago, um, or a week and a half ago, I started getting really bad back pain in my lower back. And um, I started getting extremely bad pain from my right hip down to my shin on my right side. And doing a bit of research, I realized that I had sciatica pain. Anyone ever had sciatica pain before? Which is, what happens is um, your lower back, if you get a bulging disc, it can uh, pinch a nerve. And once a nerve gets pinched, it causes pain to go down your right side. And so I had a a sleepless week and trying to do exercises where you stretch your back. If you lean back, you can try and stretch it out so it kind of pops back. And, um, and Charlie kept saying, go to, you know, go to the physio. And I'm like, you choose my physio. Are these going to tell me to do the same things, aren't they? Anyway, this is my, my guy thinking. Um, but it got to, that happened on Monday. It got to Saturday. And we had our pastor's day. And I was feeling a little bit better because I thought, we're going to do a whole day of ministry. And um, that night, I was feeling a little bit better. Sunday morning, I f- woke up feeling great. I was like, yes, Awesome. Um, went to brush my teeth and bent forward, and I felt something pop on my back, and the pain was the, way worse than it had been all week. And I literally was laying on my, flat on my stomach on that bed, just, Charlotte, I can't really move properly. 
uh, there's so much pain. And um, basically came to church last Sunday morning, you wouldn't have known, but in a lot of pain. Um, and pushed through the service, which is great, um, because I'm committed to you and our church. Uh, that's why. Just humble, humble brag right there. Um, and then after the service, because I, I was in... If you've ever had nerve pain here, it's a very weird pain. It's very, very excruciating. And uh, after service, a few of our people were down the front. We had people come down for prayer last Sunday, which we do every Sunday. We open the altar for prayer. And a few of our people were here, and I just said to them, hey, can you pray for me? And three of our, our people prayed for me. I said, I need my back better. And they prayed for me, and I started feeling my back get a bit better. By that night, the pain was 90% gone, and by the next morning, it was 100% gone. And it's been a whole week now. And, and I'm telling you, in, my wife will tell you, in comparison to that morning, which was, I was very, very concerned, um, it was just such a miracle. And I'm just so thankful to God for that. I'm so thankful that he is our healer. And, um, and after the service today, um, if you are in any type of chronic pain, we want to take some time to pray for you. Yes. And I'm just going to pray that the miracle that I received, and yeah. Charlie had 10 years of chronic pain, and if you're new here and don't know that testimony, 10 years of um, twisted hips. She was born with twisted hips. 10 years of hip pain was healed last year, and she hasn't had that since, which has been now six yeah. months later, and she's about to have our baby, and you know, God's just made a way for that, uh, which has been fantastic. So. Um, if you're here this morning and you have chronic pain, um, it's easy to be discouraged because when you pray and sometimes you don't feel like you're getting better and it gets worse and you think, where are you, God? Don't give up. Charlie had, had prayer for many years to get better and it didn't happen. And one day it happened. You never know when the miracle is about to happen, true? So this morning I'm going to pray for that after service again if you need prayer for that. Um, we've got a special guest this morning. Uh, Jesus, come up here. Let's come up. Let's give Jesus a round of applause. Yeah. Um, how are you going? Do you want some water? <laughs> you good? Okay. Beautiful. All right. For, for the last few weeks, we've been speaking about the roar of revival, and we looked at Acts chapter 2, where it talks about when revival breaks out, the attributes of what yeah. happened in the church. And basically, one of the things we looked at last week was it says that they devoted themselves to fellowship, and how community in the revival culture, the roar of revival, one of the things that is shown is that the church devotes themselves to fellowship. I'm not just talking about convenient fellowship. I'm talking about a devotion to actually going out of your way to be in community with each other. Um, so this morning, we're going to continue along that line. Um, but if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, which would be great. Luke chapter 5. Can we just show people what this, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah. <laughs> What's going on? What's this? He said, your sins are forgiven. Yeah. And by the way, just wait, wait. If you're on the podcast, a mummy was just brought into the room on a stretcher by four friends to Jesus, who's currently on the stage. 
<laughs> no, that's not right. That's not. That's. <laughs> I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Friends, you can take him home now. That's good. So, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well done. That's great. Yeah. You can leave that there if you want. It's all. Yeah. Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> Let's give them one more hand. That was just. Luke chapter 5, let's have a little look. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation, but you can follow it along in whatever translation you have. It says, One day, many Jewish religious leaders known as Pharisees, along with many religious scholars, came from every village of Galilee throughout Judea and from, even from Jerusalem to hear Jesus teach. And the power of the Lord God surged through him to instantly heal some men came to Jesus carrying a paraplegic man on a stretcher and they attempted to bring him past the crowd to set him down on the fr in front of Jesus. But because there were so many people crowding the door, they had no way to bring him inside. So they crawled into the roof and dug their way through the roof tiles and lowered the man, stretcher and all, into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing the demonstration of their faith, Jesus said to the paraplegic man, "'My friend, your sins are forgiven.'" The Jewish religious leaders and the religious scholars whispered objections among themselves. Who does this man think he is speaking such blasphemy? Only God can forgive sin. Does he think he is God? And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Why do you argue in your hearts over what I do and think that is blasphemy for me to say his sins are forgiven? Let me ask you, which is easier to prove when I say your sins are forgiven or when I say stand up, carry your stretcher and walk? And Jesus turned to the paraplegic man and said, To prove to you that I am uh, all that I, the Son of Man, have the lawful authority on earth to forgive sin, I say to you now, stand up, carry your stretcher, and go home, for you are healed. In an instant, the man rose right before their eyes. He looked, picked up his stretcher, and went home, giving God all the glory with every step he took. The people were seized with astonishment and dumbfounded over what they had just witnessed. And they all praised God, remarking over and over, incredible, what an unbelievable, unbelievable miracle we've seen today. So that was a little bit of an illustration of that, a little bit different, a little bit different, but um, hopefully you remember the time the mummy was brought into church and it turned out to be Andrew Rankin. So this morning, I, I really want to come around this theme of community and today's message is actually called Carrying People to the Feet of Jesus. Right. Carrying People to the Feet of Jesus. Let me just pray for us and ask the Holy Spirit just to have his way here. Father God, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for the power of your word. And this morning I pray as we come around your word, as we continue our worship, Father, I pray for open hearts for open minds. I pray for anyone who's discouraged that they would feel your presence this morning. And Lord, I would pray that you would just come and touch this church. You would come and raise up this house. Lord, that you would be the God of revival in this place. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. So the thing is about community um, is that the enemy will always try and isolate you. There's actually two 
strategies I've watched the enemy try and outwork over and over again. And one is this, well, there's three. One is he'll always get you to forget your identity. If he can get you to forget who you are, then you don't know the authority you carry. Number two, he will try and get you to become um, distracted. So he will chuck dust in your eyes. It's hard to run the race God has for you when you don't know where you're going. And that can be through good things in life and also challenges in life. That can be through seasons of increase as well as seasons of busyness, as well as seasons of you know, different challenges. The third thing is that the enemy will always try and isolate you. He will try and get you to feel like you're alone. He'll try and get you to feel like you don't have people in your corner. He'll try and make you feel like the church, for example, you don't have friends or people you can connect with or people in your world you feel very, and especially if you're going through a tough season, it's even more important to fight against any thought which comes along which says you're alone and no one cares. And what happens is if we think about that, if we allow that into our hearts, isolation enters our heart, and what happens is the wolf only comes to pick off the sheep when the sheep's by itself. When the sheep is in the flock with the shepherd, it's hard for the wolf to come and eat the sheep. But when that sheep starts to go over here, gets distracted over here, and the flock is over there, then what happens is that is the moment that people start to find themselves spiritually getting into trouble, emotionally getting into trouble because they start to feel very isolated. So therefore we have to come around this thought and around this um, conviction that we're going to be people who are not going to allow ourselves to be isolated. Isolation is not, in a church like ours, is not other people's issue. Please understand this. There is, if there was one other person in the church, that's one person to connect with. When there's hundreds inside a church, it becomes our responsibility to make sure we are connecting. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I, that's a mature response. And so when it comes to this church, but the funny thing is this, and the weird thing is this, is that in a life where we are connected so well with social media, the rates of loneliness have never been higher. Statistically, people feel more lonely today than before we had the internet. And as we know, you can have hundreds of friends on Facebook, but you can still feel alone. Because we think that liking a status means friendship, but it actually necessarily, not necessarily does. Sometimes it actually just means a very false, uh, very shallow, superficial relationship. Friendship and relationship and community happen after, after the service, sitting down with someone in a cafe. Before a service, getting some avo on toast and some coffee here, and actually asking somebody, how are you going? Let me know about your life. Community happens at our sisterhood night where the women come together and they take the time. And by the way, thank you all the husbands and guys who say to the wives, get out, make sure you're there. It's healthy for your wives to be there because it causes them to become healthy and connected. So I want to just zone this in today, though, and focus it in on friendships in particular. You know, there's different levels of friendships. And growing up, it's really interesting as you grow up and get older because when you're a kid... You were just friends with whoever was ever on the school bus with you. Whoever was in your street, you know, you would, for me, it was like, who lived on our street? Oh, we'll get our BMXs and go BMX riding with whoever wanted to be around. Or your friends in school or your classmates. But then you finish school and you realize, okay, your, your, your social circle changed now and now you're with people potentially in your workplace. Sometimes the people you don't want to be around. Sometimes you don't want to be friends with your workplace friends because they're a bit annoying. Sometimes they can be the greatest people on the planet. I don't know your workplace. But then in that, your circle shrinks. Your school's bigger. Now your workplace is smaller. And then in, in, in that, you, if, you, if you get married, you, you marry your best friend. But then I find that as soon as you start having family and kids, um, I watch people, they, their friendship circle just shrinks again because they don't have as much time. 
Their priorities are changing. They're actually very good priorities. They're important priorities. But now it's about putting food on the table. Now it's about looking after the kids. Before you know it, to get out and see friends becomes once every three months. And so we have this real challenge to try and create meaningful relationships in the midst of an extremely busy world. And today, if you're here and you're feeling disconnected, I don't want you to feel discouraged. This is actually a a message of hope for you. Because we actually together can create a community that is extremely good at actually creating genuine relationships, if we choose to be that church. If you, you hear me kind of coming against clickiness all the time, you know, people sitting outside in the cafe without having an extra seat for a new person. No, that's not who we are. We are an inclusive church. We have people who join our family. We are, and, and by the way, that sounds normal to us as a church. We traveled across America for three months visiting every, uh, all these churches for months, and we probably only a couple of times felt that type of hospitality. Most times you'll be in big churches and no one would speak to you. So just because you're in a big church doesn't mean they're going to be great at connecting with you. So we have to actually be intentional. And so you have these, these um, this, like where I'm at now, I'm 35, we have our first kid on the way. Uh, I've been married for five years. But I have, and, I, and I'm pastoring a church. My wife is senior pastoring as well, and she's a school teacher and eight months pregnant. Our, our life is getting busier and busier, um, but we have to be really intentional about taking time to build relationship. Literally, we actually have to be intentional. And, and, and a key word I want you to really grasp in, in, in your world is intentionality. Yeah. If you're going to garden, you're intentional about what you sow. You don't just scatter whatever's in your pocket. You know, some loose chewing gum and some coins and there might be a seed in there. You're intentional. You say, okay, I want to plant, you know, some broccoli. I want to, well, who does that? Uh, but you, you, you sow some broccoli seed and you, uh, <laughs> and you, and you let that grow. And, and it's no different in life. What you reap today is what you sowed yesterday. And what you're going to reap in three months is what you're sowing today. So we have to be really careful about what we're sowing. Oh, we should do a whole thing on sowing and reaping because... Anyway, I won't get distracted. But basically, when it comes to relationship, be intentional. Charlie and I, uh, this week, um, it's been a big week for us. We went to Sydney for a, a conference, big day, left it you know, early in the morning, went to Sydney, um, and I picked up a new car, which is nice. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. yeah, Charlie has a nice new car, which is good, and I get to drive it. Um, and, um, but then we're like, okay, there's, there's people up in Sydney that we need to connect with, and we're all exhausted. You know what, any ladies here who have been pregnant, eight months pregnant, you know how tired you can get. And so she, Charlotte's always um, tired, it seems, which is, she's carrying a holiday, so she's going to be tired. Um, but, but big, big babies. <laughs> okay, stop talking, but I, let's just move on. <laughs> I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning. But after a big day, we just went, let's go, and we went and, and drove to this, drove half an hour to get dinner with this couple and their family, and, and got to sit there with them for a couple of hours, got home really late at night. Um, just to intentionally sow in for them and for us. And we thought, if we don't do it today, we're not going to see this couple for months. This is our window. Emotionally, do we want to? No. Physically, were we tired? Yes. But we thought, let's be intentional. Now, let me talk about friendship, and I just want to give you some wisdom this morning. You know that friendships aren't all the same. And we're going to talk about Jesus with this. So Jesus had his levels of friendships. Now, I'm talking about friendship like this. Friendship, not just being someone you get get a coffee with and and just, or, you know, you you talk about superficial things. I'm talking about deeper friendships, yeah? yeah? Where you open your heart and they speak into your life. So Jesus had, he had, he had his, think about this, he had his three. He had his three, I'm not going to say favorites, but he took three to the Mount of Transfiguration and revealed his true self to only three. You know, in your life, you might only have three who you show your true self to deep, deep down. The mountain transfiguration, he showed his glory. Why didn't he take the whole 12? He had levels. They weren't ready for it. The three were. And then he had his 12, 
who we'd done life with, discipled, had meals with. They were friends of just different levels. And then he had his crowds. He had his 120 believers. He had the people sent out in twos. And they were the next. And then he had his crowds, like the bigger crowds beyond that, the 5,000 who he fed, the ones who followed him around. And what happened was, it wasn't like he's just, he didn't treat everybody the same. You don't treat everybody the same. You need to be guarded over your three. You need to actually ask God, God, who are my three? You see, so, so natural friendships are built on things like history, loyalty, commonality. All these things are precious and good. Kingdom friendships are built on, a, on the spirit, in the spirit, and by the Spirit. Why does Acts chapter 2 say this amazing verse? It says that this, the church is exploding. Like We're talking like a mega church, 3,000 plus people. And it says they all had everything in common. Weird. This room will not have everything in common. But you know why that scripture says that? It's because they're not talking about who like peanut butter on toast or not. They're talking about that the things of the kingdom became so prioritized that that was their common denominator. And when revival breaks out, the church unifies because they are unified around a common denominator, which is heaven touching earth. Natural friendship is based around other things, loyalty, commonality, things you like, interest groups, those things, healthy, beneficial, build them, that's how you see your friends saved. But kingdom friendship is based around the spirit and kingdom. Listen, this is how you know who your kingdom friends are. They are the ones who can see who you're called to be in Jesus. The friends with a crippled man, they could see that Jesus, the potential of Jesus healing that person's life, they could see it. The crippled man might not have seen it, but they could see it, and they were inconvenienced and thought, let's carry our friend and place him at the feet of Jesus. The question is this, who are your stretcher bearers? <laughs> I don't know if that slide's coming up right. Oh, sorry, Alan, but... Your stretcher bearers are those who can see your God potential and they are willing to carry you to Jesus if, even when you feel like you're broken. <laughs> your stretcher bearers are those who can see your potential, God potential, and are willing to carry you to Jesus even when you feel like you're broken. Now, who knows in life there are seasons where you feel completely broken? Sometimes you feel like you can't carry yourself to Jesus. Sometimes you need your friends, you need your stretcher bearers who, when you can't see your potential in God, can remind you of your God potential. Natural friendship, commonality, history, loyalty, all good. Spiritual friendship, they know who you're called to be in God. Now let me speak to those who are yet to be married. It's important that you're attracted to somebody physically. It's important that emotionally you connect but it's most important that you marry someone who can see your potential in God. One of the greatest blessings, Charlie, is to me is that when I forget who I am, she reminds me in God. And it happens all the time. <laughs> it happens after a discouraging Sunday. It happens on the way home, literally from church, and I think, oh, where's this person? What is, how's this person going? And my pastor heart starts to peek up, and no, but I remember who you're called to be. You see, you want to find somebody who can actually know and sense your potential in God and can carry you to the feet of Jesus that you might find your full potential. Now, those shield bearers, this is how I live my life. I look for my, I look for my stretcher bearers. You might only have four across your whole life that you ever meet. They are extremely rare. They are not... They are not common. If they are common for you, you are very, very blessed. You see, most people don't actually realize the extent of what God's placed in your spirit. They look at your natural circumstance. They look at your natural uh, life, but they don't know how to actually sense who are you called to be in God. 
When you can find that person, hold on to them. Sow into that friendship. Sow into that relationship. Because that person will cause you to be carried to Jesus in seasons where you can't quite see how to get there. I think this challenge is in particularly important for men. I think there's a really Aussie, Aussie culture where it's like, as a man, and I'm learning this more and more, an Aussie guy, I've got to be independent, I've got to look after my family, be independent, and I just get on with it. King David had a best friend called Jonathan. And if you can find your Jonathans, they cause you to become mighty warriors. But just for all the men here, and we're going to have a men's meeting coming up, people have asked me in a, couple, in a month or two, it's important to connect with other guys because they are, they're on your wavelength. So take time to connect. It's not weird to get coffee with guys. If you like coffee, get coffee. If you like to shoot, go hunting. If you like to surf, go surfing. Whatever you want to do, just do whatever, but let your heart be opened. And a lot of wives are sitting there going, I want that for my husband. They need to connect better. The second thing is that um, I want to speak to the baby boomers in the room. Um, I, I watched my parents. I love them, but they, they, they had to work hard at connection because everyone's so busy. So we have to be careful and make time to make sure we're connecting well. Now let me speak to the under, under, under baby boomers, the ones under that, the younger ones. Your social media is not your closest four stretcher bearers. How many likes you get does not mean that you have all those friends. And we're gonna talk about why in a second. So I'm just, just giving encouragement for all those different groups. And if I was speaking to pastors, I'd say something completely different again, because everyone has their own challenges when it comes to friendships. So let's talk about this. So Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24 says this. Proverbs 18, 24. It says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Speaking of who? Jesus. So our, one of our stretcher bearers needs to be Jesus. Yeah? So you got one covered. It's Jesus. You're trying to get your four, you got your one down. Perfect. If you're married here, hopefully your second armor bearer or shield bearer is going to be, uh, sorry, stretcher bearer is going to be your wife or your husband. If not, get that back. You need to see each other's potential in the kingdom of God because that's where health comes from. Okay, so let's speak about kingdom friends. Is this okay this morning? Now, this is my heart for us. This is my heart for us. My heart is that no one in our community in our church community to start with, is lonely. There is an epidemic of loneliness happening. You might be in this room right now feeling lonely and isolated. I want to say this morning that we are working hard, and my heart for you is that you feel like you have stretcher bearers. I don't want anyone ever feeling like they are alone, feeling like they have no one in their corner. But how do you do that? We actually have to, to, be, uh, to have a stretcher bearer we actually have to be a stretcher bearer. Yeah. yeah? So we're going to speak about being stretcher bearers for a few minutes, if that's okay. So the first thing is this. If you want to know who kingdom friends are, I'm going to give you some parameters. The first one is this. Kingdom friends are the ones who speak truth in love. Truth in love. Have you ever had a friendship where you've spoken truth in love, and the person stopped being your friend? They weren't your stretcher bearer. The people who love me the most are the ones who speak truth to me, not harshly necessarily, not out of a wrong agenda, but out of God's heart of love. Now, is that everybody in the church? No. Does everyone think they have that right? Probably. But when it comes to our life and our family, no, not everyone has a right to speak into my heart. If that was the case, being in a public position like this, I would have so many voices in my head because everybody has an opinion. Everybody thinks they're right because to them, they're right. Is it right for us though? Not necessarily. Therefore, we have to guard ourselves when it comes to who speaks into our life. Now, let's do an exercise for a second. And if you've got writing notes, I want you to write these names down for me. Who are the top four people the top four voices in your world right now. If you can do five, write five. But who are the top four or five voices? Now, that doesn't mean your boss. Like, if it's somebody who's like, um, they're telling you how to do a job, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your heart. 
the top four or five voices when it comes to your heart who can speak into the, to the deeper things of you. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, I don't have four or five, that's okay. After today, let's start to build that in your life. Start to be that four or five in other people's lives. Start to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, give me my stretcher bearers. I need my stretcher bearers. And he will. But if you do have four or five, just write their names down. And they can be Christian or non-Christian. Doesn't just, just answer that honestly. Now think about this. You will become the average of the top five voices in your life. <laughs> so be very, very guarded about who the top four or five voices are. What does the Bible say? It says this in Proverbs. It says, bad company corrupts good character. Sorry, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Bad company corrupts good character. Is there such thing as a bad friend? Yes. Just because someone calls himself a Christian, does that make them good? No. <laughs> Often they're the worst. Sometimes they can be worse than non-Christians. Charlie and I have friends who aren't Christians, and often they are more refreshing than Christians. Sometimes non-Christians are kinder than Christians. What is going on? So therefore, we have to be very guarded over those we allow to speak into our hearts. Now, you might need to make some changes on that list. If you're a married couple here and, and, and you have friends as a couple, you might need to make some changes. Are the people that speak into your life, do they carry the spirit that's going to cause you to become all you're called to be? If not, they can still be friends. You can still love them, but it might be going from 3 to the 12. It might be going from the 12 to the 120. And that person might not know the difference, but in your heart you do. Because what does the Bible say? The Bible says, above all things, church, what does it say? Above all things, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of your life. (laughs) Your wellspring is determined by who inputs into it. Yeah? So you have to be guarded. When I counsel counsel people, I always, if it comes up about toxicity and things going on in their life, My ultimate is this. My priority for you, and the Bible's priority for you, isn't the people around you. It's actually firstly for you. Because if you let toxicity into your well, when you give out of that, it's going to be toxic for others. Therefore, you have to guard the input into your wellspring. Charlie and I are very intentional about our close friends. We have to be. I can't be around certain people. Why? Because if they have a toxic spirit... If I let that into my spirit, then what's going to happen on Sunday? Hey, have some toxic water, church. And the thing is about toxic water, sometimes it tastes good. Ever been to barley, get barley belly? You don't realize you get barley belly until six hours later. At the time, you think, oh, I feel okay. It's that night that you start throwing up. So we have to be intentional about, hey, are you saying not to love people? No, no, you just love people. Love everybody. But who speaks into your heart? This is actually, this will set you up. I've seen more people, especially young people, get taken off the rails because they get the wrong friends. They get the wrong relationships. They get the wrong girlfriend, the wrong boyfriend, whatever it is, and the voices become toxic. Guard your heart. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, if you're writing notes or you want to turn there quick. Ephesians 4, 15, I've got five points to get through very quickly. It says this, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect mature, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Speaking truth in love. How do we get mature? You have somebody who cares enough about you to say, you need to pull your head in. Because, not, not because it's your opinion, but because God has something better for you. God has something greater for you. Yes, that person hurt you. Yes, your emotion says, oh, I'm never going to speak to them again. But the Bible says, forgive them and embrace them. Yeah. 
Yeah, that person, it was uncomfortable. It's, it's hard. I'm a natural peacemaker. I, 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 I love to be, a, I've always been that with my brother and sister growing up. I was the older one, I was a peacemaker. But sometimes I have to be the one that actually loves people enough to say something they don't want to hear. But maybe God wants to say it, as long as there's an element of love. So here's the question, you ready? Who are you speaking truth in love to? And if you're writing notes, write that down. Who are you today speaking truth in love to? Now please understand something. Like, one day I should write a book on this or I'll preach on it and do a 10-part series, weird things people say to pastors. People are shocked at the weird things that, and Charlie getting married to me as a pastor and now becoming a pastor, she is still weirded out and amazed at the ridiculousness of people's comments, especially after services. I've been around long enough to, to, to go, yeah, I, people are weird, I know that. But the thing is this, we've got to be really, really intentional about this, is that, listen, don't make your speaking truth and love be the pastor. Please take this on board. If you're from a different church, you're not the one to go make sure your pastor's, you know, you've got the wooden, wooden spoon there. Are you in line, pastor? I'm going to, trust me, your pastor has enough going on, people on their corner, accountability going on. Now, if it's unbiblical what they're doing, okay, there's process. But if it's just a difference of opinion, find someone else to go and share your weird opinion with. It's true. <laughs> you know what? I'm not negative in that in terms of my spirit. I spend so much time with pastors now, and the amount of rubbish they go through because of religious Christians, and they always say the same thing, you know, brother, you know, I'm a self-appointed prophet, and you've got to love people more. Uh, you're, you're an idiot. That's what you are. <laughs> and you have zero fruit to back up anything you say. And I will fight for pastors. I will fight for them because pastors bleed too, and I've got many, many friends now in ministry, and they bleed, and they have no one in their corner, and I'll be a stretcher bearer for them. And as a church, we will be stretcher bearers for pastors, yes. Hence why if you don't like leadership, you don't last in this church very long, yeah? Because leadership's God's idea. Read the Bible. Okay, I've got to get off, uh, let's just, let's just, we can talk about that some other time. Who are you speaking truth in love to? Don't be the one that goes, oh, I don't want to be, don't want to have that conversation. It's going to make, it might affect our friendship. I don't want to, no, I don't, no, no. If your friendship's real, speak truth. Speak love. Break that spirit of fear of human pleasing. The second thing is this, kingdom friends see your God potential. Proverbs chapter 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. This is so important. Here's the question. Whose God potential are you drawing out today? Really cool. You imagine if we had a church community who was great at drawing out the God potential in people. One of the greatest ways to draw out the God potential is by encouragement. How good is that? You know, I've got such a heart to just to be a part of a church that is really strong in encouragement. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Like, I mean, we are exceptional at encouraging each other because knowing that when we speak encouragement, we actually build courage into that person in a world that's full of fear. And secondly, we actually draw out the God edge in somebody. So that's my heart for us. But the question is this, who are you drawing that God potential out of today? After the service, this is as simple as it is. Stick around firstly for community, we're talking about that, and go up and encourage somebody. Go up and say, it's so good to see you. Like when I see you here at church, it actually refreshes my heart. You are now stamping on discouragement's head. 
You are stamping on isolation's head. You are causing the enemy that spent all week casting chain and doubt and fear and intimidation. Your encouragement is breaking the chains of people's mindsets because you're saying, I'm going to find a way to sharpen each other, to speak life, and to cause people to go to, to, go to a whole new level in Jesus' name. How cool is that? On this point, just be aware of this. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Now, we love the idea of that, but it's actually a painful process. We brought some expensive, well, for us, expensive Japanese knives for our kitchen. My dad said, if you get them, you will rarely have to sharpen them. Six months later, we need to sharpen them. (laughs) But the way you sharpen them is you get the knife, sharpener, stick, stick, what is it called? Steel, 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 thank you. And, and what do you do? You literally have to, you have to get friction in order to sharpen that knife. Who here wants to be sharp for God? Don't be afraid to go through some sharpening. You are in a church, and if you've been here for a while, you'll know this, where the pastors aren't afraid to sharpen you. I could do the sermon where everybody is happy about every word I say. I could do the big smile and the hey, all this. No, I, I could do it. I've been in church long enough. But you know what? That's not going to help you if it doesn't sharpen you. I want to see you go deeper, and, I, and one day we'll speak about the anvil, and we'll talk about how the sword gets sharpened and strength, strengthened through the anvil by being put in the fire, by being put in the water, by being put on the anvil and then bashed around and then put back in the fire and back in the water to cool down, then bashed around and every time that soil gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And if you're here today and you're going through some anvil experience, you're going through some fire and then some coolness and then some being bashed around, I know that there is strength being developed. But if you stop, if you give up, if you say it's too hard, that sword becomes a flimsy sword. And no one's going to use you in battle because it's just like a plastic sword. It's just, come on, I'm going to take on. It's good for hitting the flies, but it's not good for taking down Goliaths. (laughs) Let that just drop in your spirit, heart drop. This week, uh, Libby shared a word when she was sharing about something. She said, I had a heart drop moment. I thought, I'm going to steal that, a heart drop moment. Let it drop into your spirit. The third thing is this, and I've got to speed it up. Kingdom friends carry you when you feel weak. It says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The question is this, who are you carrying today who's weak? Who are you currently carrying who's weak? It's a privilege to carry people to Jesus. In that story, the, the, the paraplegic got healing and got breakthrough, but I guarantee you all his friends got a huge revelation that day as well. They got the blessing as well. They got the breakthrough moment as well. And you know what? I've been in seasons in life where I've really struggled uh, where I've felt broken as a Christian and I've fallen over and I've made mistakes and I've had friends in my life, in my corner, who literally have taken me in, picked me up, put my feet back on a rock, and Jesus used them to do that. I've also had friends who have walked away from me when I've broken my my legs, who have given up on me, who have turned their back on me, who, you know, didn't know how to process stuff. And I'm like, I'm so thankful for the friends who carried me when I felt weak, because when that happens, what happens is that it causes you to get to the feet of Jesus, and in the feet of Jesus is when you find breakthrough and healing, and I'm telling you, there's a few guys I'm thinking of right now, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here today. Because they decided in the midst of a lot of hate, a lot of rejection by a lot of people, they would stand with me, and when I couldn't see my potential, they still saw my potential. Why is our church a grace-filled church? Because I know what it's like to be shown grace. And I just feel that for our church, that we need to be a church that's very very kind and grace-filled and forgiving and, and not be afraid to give people time 
Give them time. Give them some space. Let the Holy Spirit do what he does so beautifully. So the question is this, who can you be um, carrying to Jesus when they're weak? The fourth thing is this. I love this one. It's off that one. But a kingdom friend stays when others leave. A kingdom friend, have you ever had a friend walk away from you for when you've been in a bad place? I'm sure most of us have. You know, a kingdom friend knows how to stay when others leave. Now, please understand something. You've got to learn the art in life. And sometimes if someone's toxic and they're in a bad place, you can still have friendship where you're speaking to them, but they don't speak to you. It's not all one level. And sometimes people need you to help carry them to Jesus, but you don't need to necessarily open up your deepest part of your heart to them. Read the life of Jesus. Watch how he does that. And so when it comes to your life, understand that we need to be people who stand when we see God's potential. Now, let me just say this as a, as a footnote. There are some relationships you have to walk away from. There are some people you don't need in your life. Charlie and I, we have to do this intentionally in our life. My heart, now that I'm having a baby in particular, is too precious to get sick by being around toxic Christians. I have to guard myself, and I will guard myself. Chai and I have those types of conversations, but we have the wisdom to be able to speak like that and think like that. And so for me, I will give a lot of time to Christians who are open, Christians who are hungry to learn, also unsafe people. I don't give much time to Christians who attack the church or attack leaders or attack pastors or are unforgiving Christians. I can't do that. If you can't forgive somebody, I will give you some time, but I won't give you the rest of my life. Why? Because it will talk, I know my heart. And so I've walked away from friendships in my life because they attack churches. I I had a friend up in Sydney and they, they, we used to be very close and they had a fallout with the church in Sydney and they just, every time I'd speak to them, they were just, you know, the church this and the church that. And I just said to Charlie one day, I was like, I can't be around this much longer because my spirit gets toxic. I can still love that person, but they're not necessarily going to be someone who's my stretcher bearer. So for you, have wisdom to know who needs to stay in your life and who needs to leave. Not everyone, by the way, is your responsibility. And don't let loyalty determine that because loyalty is good, but it's not the be-all, end-all. The fifth thing is this, last one. A kingdom friend, and it's very simple, this one, but a kingdom friend builds you up. A kingdom friend will build you up. But I shared a question for the last point. Let me go back to number four. The question I have for you is this. Who are you fighting for that no one else is? Who are you fighting for today that no one else is? Stay when others leave. Last one. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another. Turn to your neighbor and say, I I encourage you. Encourage one another and build one another up just as you were doing. Um, a few years ago, I just decided in my heart that there's too much discouragement in the world. Benign amusings. And I thought, if I give my life in the kingdom to something, I want it to be this, that I am an encourager in the kingdom. Oh, but Benaiah, you have a Barnabas spirit. But I will speak life when others speak death. I will speak courage when others speak discouragement. When others are gossiping, I will stop the gossip and speak life and truth. When I, when I, I just choose in myself that if I was to pass away today and go home to be with Jesus, that at my funeral, and I guarantee this will happen, I'm confident on this now, people would get up here and say, he encouraged me. 
And if I can do it, who is naturally a half-glass empty person, my wife is naturally a half-glass full type of person. That's why we work well together. If I can learn to be a half-glass full type of person, then so can all of us. But I love this. Encourage one another. And I love this one. Build one another up. We're about to finish, but listen to this. Build one another up. I am useless with tools. My brother-in-law, James Watson, is great with tools. Mark Webster is great. Maybe you are too. I don't know. I am hopeless. My wife assembles the flat packs that arrive in our house. Are you applauding me or her? I can't tell. <laughs> she finds it therapeutic, she says. I hate it. Ugh, just that flat pack, just. Why can't it turned up? Assembled. <laughs> I would pay extra for the postage, just turn up, assembled. Anyone else like that, you hate flat packs? Any flat pack lovers here? Wow. I know who to call. I know who to call when I need some help. The thing is, like, this scripture, this, this is actually a really redemptive scripture for me because of this reason. It says build each other up. And I'm really bad with the hammer, but I'm really good with my encouragement. So when I walk in on a Sunday or any one-on-one meetings I have or wherever I am, I actually have a spiritual tool belt, and I go... I'm going to actually go in, and I see you. This might sound, I'm very visual, but I see each of you as little houses, and I see little extensions being added to your life. Yeah? That's how I see you. Some of you are at foundations, you know, season where you're new in your faith or young in your faith, and we're getting a foundation down. Others, you need some walls to be knocked down, and you need to put up some fresh ones. And others just need a fresh add-on. And, and I just see myself being a part of the process of going, hey, how can I build you up? Because who knows that there are many, many people who will knock you down. There are many, many people who will drag you down. There are many, many people who even as Christians will cause you to be more full of doubt and, and, and self-loathing after speaking to them than being full of life and freedom and joy because they haven't learned the art of actually giving out of a fresh River of God. And I love this because it's easy. How do you build people? What does it say? It says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. Just encourage somebody. There's last thing on this. People can walk in and they've just gone through the hurricane of life. Christians walk in who have gone through hurricanes in life and they, and they come down on the altar and they, 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 they have this amazing restoration, healing moment with God. And they go out into our courtyard or they do the 60 seconds to connect with you and, and they don't realize it, but in that moment there's just as much healing going on as down here on an altar after a service because there is a people in the room who know that when they speak, they speak healing, they speak life. You know, at the moment with our baby, um, we're speaking life. Yeah. Uh, we declare over that child every day, we declare over it. Before we go to sleep, I lay my hands on that belly, that slimy belly, because there's coconut oil on her belly, okay? (laughs) Coconut oil. It's slimy. It's slimy. (laughs) It's funny, the first time I put my hand on her belly, I was like, why is it slimy? Coconut oil. Oh. John, I, because they try and stop stretch marks and stuff. That's why it, it helps with the absorption of the, the skin cells. Is that right? No. Yeah. John, I was like, why? This? It also smells nice, I get, I don't know. I get a lamington and put it on there and put it into coconut and, and, and eat it. 
And I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish. But I, <laughs> we've, we've just finished setting up our, our baby's room, which is cool. And, um, and, and yesterday, Charlie said to me, she said, Whenever, she said, I think there's angels already in that room. And she said, she said, um, whenever I go into that room, I just sense the peace and the atmosphere of heaven. And then I made the joke of, well, it's not a very big room, how they fit. And she said, oh, well, you know, they have their ways, Benaiah. I'm like, okay. That's all right. Typical conversation on a Saturday night in our house. But we speak. We, we understand that words are not light. They carry weight. They carry something in the spirit. We declare, God created through his words, we speak truth. Some of us here need to look in the mirror and start to speak some heaven truth. But today we're talking about getting up, stretcher bearers, and then how to speak truth to you. And at the end of today, I'm actually going to pray over you just now. We're going to pray that maybe you don't feel like you have stretcher bearers. Let's pray that God will bring some into your life. And that you and I would have the open eyes to see who they are. Maybe you need to be a stretcher bearer here today for somebody else. And by doing that, we become kingdom friends. But be intentional. Connect. After the service, it's okay to go for coffee with people and get details. Hey, let's go out for coffee after work this week. Or don't let busyness rip you off. Everybody's busy, busy bees. It's all about priorities. Make room, make time. Does that sound good? Awesome. Why don't we all stand to our feet? Charlie, why don't you come up here? Why don't you just close your eyes where you are for a moment? We're just going to just take a moment just, just to reflect on what God has shared this morning. And if you're in this place, I've, I spoke about how there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, the Bible says. His name is Jesus. And maybe Jesus is not your best friend right now. Maybe he is not somebody who is your Lord and Savior. Maybe you used to have a walk with God and you walked away. This morning, as you're standing there, can everyone just close their eyes? Just everyone close, just for privacy's sake. If you're like, Benaiah, I know that my heart isn't close to God. I want to get my heart right with God today. I want to make him my best friend. I just want to ask you just to put your hand up where you are and say, that's me. Awesome, that's see that hand. Anybody else? That's, you just want to say, yeah, that's me, Benaiah. That's me. Awesome, I see that hand. Anybody else? You want to give your life right with God this morning or you want to commit your heart to him for the first time? Anybody else in this place? Don't let your friends hold you back. This is a very, very important moment. He is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Let's pray this prayer of commitment together. And if, even if you didn't put your hand up, pray it from your heart. Let's pray, Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. And today, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart and to come into my life. I return to you. Forgive me of my sin. I declare that you are my Lord and Savior. And Holy Spirit, help me in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You know, if you put your hand up there or in your heart if you responded, my wisdom to you is this. Number one, make sure that you speak to someone this morning. There's a hello desk at the back. Speak to a leader here. Make sure you get help. Uh, mentoring is important. Number two, make sure you read your Bible every day. The YouVersion.com app on your phone or your iPad is extremely good for reading the Bible. I don't know if you have a slide for this yet. No. Uh, uversion.com, make sure you do that, or a Bible plan on uversion.com. Yes, we promote that site very heavily. Thirdly, make sure you turn up every Sunday. If you want to be encouraged, one of the greatest ways to do it is to meet together. Don't stop meeting together. Keep turning up, even when you don't feel like it. Just turn up.
be encouraged. Hey, can we pray for you this morning? We're going to pray a prayer of blessing over you. If you're new here this morning, we just believe that we'd like to send you out in the power of God. And then we're going to do one more thing after that. But let's just, let's just close our eyes for a moment. Father, I thank you for every incredible person here. I pray your blessing upon them. I pray your touch upon their life. And today, Lord, we send them out with the roar of revival. We send them out to touch this nation, this city with your love, with your kindness, with your goodness. God, I pray for a spirit-led people. Lord, I pray for protection as well. God, pray your way in this place. In Jesus' name, and everyone said? Amen. Amen. Hey, before we finish, I want you to turn, turn to your neighbor or someone around you, maybe behind or in front of you, and share a build-them-up type encouragement. Get the hammer out. You can do it if you want to say, I'm going to just build you up right now. The saw's out right now. I'm going to build you up right now. And build someone up. You can move around the room if you want. In Jesus' name. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.